It's always surprising when you live in an area that experiences temperatures they've never seen before, just what happens. Um, if you live somewhere warm, if you've spent time living in, in a tropical area or so on, you know what 40 degrees feels like. But in British Columbia, most of it, not all of it, but certainly the parts where most people live, it's a pretty temperate place. So when temperatures climbed last June, late June, right up into like sweltering, sweltering areas, um, the reaction here was was odd. We're learning more about just how deadly, though, that sweltering heat was that hit British Columbia for that one week between June 25th and July the 1st last summer. Um, I don't use the word lightly. It was unprecedented. Uh, daytime highs shattered records. Nighttime lows really weren't lows by BC standards, certainly not on the coastal areas, um, hitting its peak June 28th, 29th. Well, a review by the BC Coroner Service released today found that 619 people died uh, during the so-called heat dome. And yet in the days leading up to the heat wave, up until the last day, June 24th, many, including the media, were calling attention to the fact that this was about to happen. Here's an Environment Canada meteorologist speaking to Global News on June the 24th, just as that heat wave was moving in. A big ridge is already starting to build now. It's going to get just get so strong. And this is a pattern that we only really see in July and early August, but we're seeing it in June. And we're even speaking of all-time temperatures, so July and August inclusive, uh, falling for some locations in BC as well. It's unprecedented. So that was from June 24th, uh, 2021. We now know what happened next. The coroner service is also making 14 recommendations into better preventing similar deaths in the future. They range from acquiring cooling features in new buildings to a coordinated heat alert system to save lives in cases of extreme heat. Well, joining me now is Dr. Jatinder Baidwan. He's the chief medical officer for the BC's coroner service, for BC's coroner service. And uh, he's been speaking about this report today. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Baidwan. My pleasure. Thank you. As we heard from uh, in that report, I mean, many knew this was coming, um, but like in so many weather events, uh, it seemed that a bunch of things went wrong, uh, and you've spoken about them today already. That warnings weren't heeded. Essentially, uh, how did how did that uh, how did that shape up finally? Who was not heeding these warnings? You know, I think I think um, very few people actually heeded the warnings. You're quite right. There were some climatologists talking about this as being a phenomenon that was around the corner. But it, but it wasn't being sort of widely discussed in the media, and it certainly wasn't sort of something that was being alerted, you know, in a formal fashion to public agencies or, or the public in general, like a tsunami that would be expected would be, or, or if, if, God forbid, an earthquake was expected, that would be. So not, nothing like that was happening. And uh, because it wasn't formal, I don't think people took it seriously. And I think, honestly, like I've been saying today, I actually remember that day, and, and a lot of people were really excited about the heat. They wanted to go and you know, go to parks, they wanted to go for a hike, or they wanted to go and sort of sit by the water somewhere, and they weren't thinking of it as something that was going to be um, a killer, essentially, for, for many of the neighbours. No, I mean, I, I agree. I, certainly at the time, one would, if you contrast it to, say, the coverage we get here of an impending snowstorm, for instance, it was far less serious. It was right. Certainly the tone was a lot less serious. Uh, you've looked into this now. Just how deadly was it? And, and why was it so deadly? Well, I think, I think you know, we know that the, the toll they took, we know that it took 619 of our, of our population away from us. Um, we, we know... Um, we know that our numbers, people often compare them to places like Oregon and Washington, 
And you know, they say, well, you know, why do people not die there of heat exposure? What I can tell you about that is that we actually alerted people, you know, the College of Physicians and Surgeons, we alerted doctors in the province to the fact that anyone that died from heat, it wasn't a natural death. We actually made that very clear so that people reported it to us because I remember the conversation well with, with um, my boss, Chief Coroner, on the day when we when, when all this was you know, panning out. And we sort of had that conversation. I said, look, you know, we've got to tell people that this, these are not natural deaths because I knew that a lot of the people that succumbed would actually have natural disease processes happening in their bodies. They would have chronic disease. And it would be easy to say, well, actually, someone died of the renal failure that they had or congestive heart failure. But actually, but for the fact that the heat came along, they probably wouldn't have died that day. So, I, I, you know, we wanted to collect the data, the statistics, and be able to investigate this further. So I think we've done that. We've, we've got a lot of um, information. You've heard a lot of it, you know, and some of it's quite astounding. I mean, 98% of the deaths occurred indoors. You know, the, the fact that um, compared to the BT population, heat-related deaths were higher among persons on, on some of these uh, chronic disease registries. And, and not just the physical ones, but really things like schizophrenia, substance use disorder, epilepsy, you know, depression and, and, and anxiety. All of those things made it much more likely that you were going to succumb. You know, the things that we know about, like, you know, if you lived in a, a materially or a socially depri um, deprived neighborhood, you are far more likely to succumb. So th there was tons of stuff that was coming at us. And we only know this now. We, we, we've got this valuable data because we actually look for it. I mean, some of the numbers that struck me too, 56% of people lived alone. That's not surprising. Uh, a vast majority right. of the people who died were elderly. I mean, you think about how horrific it would be to try to be living all by yourself during a pandemic in a, in a place with no cooling. I gather most people didn't have air conditioning. A very small percentage of people didn't have air conditioning. I mean, you know, the BC is not really a place built for that. I mean, coastal BC is not really built for that kind of heat in so many ways. Um, when, when you looked at who was who was vulnerable, I know there was a stat too that came out today about just how many people had, had you know, there were instances of people waiting for care. It really showed just how fragile the whole system was. We have the opioid crisis straining the healthcare system. I mean, there was a lot of things going on that led to some of the problems we saw that week. There were, you know, it's a confluence of issues that sort of kind of came together and, and, and that you're absolutely right about that. Having said that, though, you know, it's what you said at the beginning. It's the fact that we're just not expecting these temperatures. We don't know how to deal with them. And, uh, you know, certainly last year we didn't. You know, we there were silly things like we didn't know whether to shut the, the curtains or draw the curtains or leave them open, open the windows or close the windows. What's the best thing to do when, there's, when it's so hot outside? And people got confused. You know, there were, there were instances of, you know, people that had died um, that had air conditioning units, but sadly the air conditioning units weren't properly turned on. So they were actually blowing warm air into the room. And so there were all sorts of horrible instances that we picked up in our investigations. And, uh, you know, the, one of the things I will say, though, I mean, you know, our third recommendation that we made really was all about the future and how we really need to future-proof our new buildings that we're going to make. We need to make sure that they are as good at um, you know, deflecting the, 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 uh, the heat as they are at keeping the heat in um, in the winter when it's needed. Um, you know, we, we need to make sure that we have rebate programs that are offered to individuals and, and to organizations so that they can retrofit um, a lot of the buildings that they operate at the moment and make sure that these kind of things are done now. Um, but this all, it will all take time. So, you know, our, our second uh, recommendation is really about sort of, you know, what we can do in the immediate future 
And that is really work with local communities and identify who the vulnerable people are and ensure that next time this happens, God forbid if it happens in two or three months' time, that we can actually sort of either get those folks that are vulnerable into a cooling centre or actually get equipment to them that can help them cool. And either way, the end product is that we, we, we won't see them suffer like the way they did last year. I mean, there certainly was uh, a lag between, you know, the, the response by public officials certainly left to be desired as well. Um, that's something you pointed out as well in, in the report, that really, if it was going to be as dangerous as we thought it might be, or at least those who'd seen heat waves in other parts of the world create similar tragedies, um, that it was imperative that someone sound the alarm in a much more uh, serious way than was done uh, last late June. You're quite right. I mean, our first recommendation is all about that. When the panel came together, the biggest recommendation, that you know, the first and most important recommendation was there's got to be an alert system. We have to have the ability to tell people very seriously that something sinister is about to happen unless they take action. And, you know, we did not have that last year. And, you know, the, the public agencies are also run by humans. And to err is human. You know, at the end of the day, uh, and, and uh, you know, to forgive sublime, I think is the way that saying ends. But it, but at the end of the day, the people that were operating the public agencies didn't know that this was about to happen either. They didn't stand up the right number of staff. They didn't put the right resource allocation to this. You know, none of that happened, and it didn't happen because we didn't have an alert system. But now, thankfully, we will. I'm speaking with Dr. Jatinder Baidwan. He's the Chief Medical Officer for BC's Coroner Service. We're talking about a report uh, the Coroner Service released today on the number of deaths uh, during that uh, huge heat wave, the heat dome, as it's well known, that hit BC last summer between June 25th and July the 1st. Uh, more than 600 people died, many of them elderly, um, many of them on their own, uh, many with pre-existing medical conditions. Uh, but certainly what it did able us to do is, is identify, I think, who it is that is vulnerable in these situations, and that will help. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about the recommendations. Uh, Dr. Badewan's already mentioned several of them, but just how we put them into practice. How do you protect the vulnerable in those sorts of uh, situations? We'll get to that after this. I'm speaking with Dr. Jatinder Badewan. He's the Chief Medical Officer for the BC's Coroner Service. We're talking about a report released today by the service uh, documenting uh, the deaths due to last year's heat wave, heat dome that hit British Columbia, uh, unprecedentedly high temperatures. We now know a lot more about who was vulnerable, who was most vulnerable over that time, and and why they, and in many ways, it was the elderly and people who lived alone, people with pre-existing medical conditions, uh, things that you may have been able to predict. But one of the challenges here, I guess, Dr. Badewan, is in circumstances such as these, these are the people who are left unprotected at the best of times. What about at the worst of times? It's it's a challenge. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you've hit the nail on the head again. I mean, one of the things that we saw was that the, um, the chronic disease registries that folks came from that were more likely to succumb, including the mental health ones. And we know for sure that, you know, we know that when someone has a mental health chronic illness, there are times in their life when they function very highly, and there are times in their life when they don't. And if that time happened to coincide with a heat dome, then they weren't able to make good decisions. And then if you veneer on top of that, the fact that, uh, you know, um, when, when, you, when any of us, even that, when we're functioning very highly in a cognitive sense, when we're dehydrated, when we're succumbing from, to heat, you know, our, our cognitive function does decline. And then if you sort of add the two things together, you're, you end up in a disaster situation where people don't, do not make good decisions around their own safety. And, and I think that's what led to some of these folks, uh, you know, not making it through this. 
and we, we can't really see that happening again. We've got to make sure that we we, we apply the knowledge that we're gaining. Um, and there were some there were some sort of you know areas of positive deviance. Um, there were some areas where um, essentially they were materially deprived, socially deprived neighbourhoods. But because there was such a close knit neighbourhood, because people looked after one another, they they actually did a really good job of looking after one another through the heat waves. And uh, and they didn't succumb any more than the general population. So I think there's a lot that we can learn from this, sort of these these areas that we've identified too. Yeah, I thought that was certainly one of the most interesting things that came up during uh, your press conference today, Dr. Badwan, was this idea that there were areas where you might have expected things to have been worse than they weren't and how much we could learn from what worked there. Uh, it's a fascinating concept. You also mentioned just protocols and uh, making sure that that when there is this sort of heat wave approaching or any weather potentially deadly weather event for that matter, that there are plans in place that are then enacted at every level. Because I think that's something else we didn't see last year. So last summer was sort of a, a, a universe, a blanket response to this. You know, again, you're right. There needs to be a, there needs to be a personal ownership of some of this. So even individuals have got to have plans and they've got to make sure that they've got plans that they can action when, when the heat dome comes along the next time around. And then you expand that and you say, well, you know, you've got to look after your neighbours and your community too. So you've got to be able to sort of go and knock on people's doors and say, are you okay? Can I help you in some way? You know, we, we don't generally tend to do that as a population. We tend to, you know, we tend to sort of um, really honour people's privacy and we do not want to sort of encroach on, on them in any way. And so so I think that's got to disappear when, when there's a time like a heat wave happening. And then you sort of, you know, bring it up a notch and then you've got the local sort of level communities, the local authorities, um, you know, all of that, they've got their responsibilities and it's got to work seamlessly. You've got to have a plan that sort of cascades up and down all the way from the province, all the way down to an individual. And everyone knows what they're responsible for and where they can get help and where they can sort of, you know, latch on to help if they need it. Um, it's going to be incredibly complex, but it's, it, it is absolutely doable. We did similar things during COVID. You know, we, we made a huge difference to the mortality and the morbidity that we could have seen in British Columbia by following what people like Dr. Henry said. You know, we, we made a huge difference, but it meant that we had to have concerted action that was focused. We've also had another emergency, and I've got to say this, you know, where we haven't made a huge difference because most of us don't get behind the, the whole drug death scene that's happening in BC. Our numbers are not decreasing, and that's, that's exactly the, the, the example that we mustn't follow. So, so we've, got a, we've got a sort of, um, you know, we know how we can do things, and we also know how not to do things. It's our choice now as a community and a society to make the, you know, make the right choices. I know in the short term, of course, one of your main recommendations, one that the BC government has already introduced, uh, at least introduced the day yesterday, was this coordinated heat alert response system. I'm looking forward to people, the first time they use it and it's not warm or not warm enough and people start complaining about it being used. Uh, but one of the things you really did look at was these long-term mitigation strategies. And we have a few minutes left. Uh, that seemed to be a really important part of this was making sure that we're aware that things are changing. BC is going to become a place, or we believe, where we're going to have to contend with, with heat waves of this nature in the future. You said at the beginning of the program, um, you know, we're going to see much more, um, many more swings in temperature, way more than we've seen in the past. And it's those swings when they can, when they happen over two or three days, one after the other, that's what leads to an accumulated effect. And you actually and find people are going to succumb unless we've made a difference to the way that, you know, the, the housing is, you know, the, the way that the, our housing is even oriented, our future housing. You know, does it face the south? Does it, you know, does it sort of reflect heat or does it absorb heat? 
You know, all of these things have to be worked through. Building codes have got to be changed. All of these things, we, we, we know the science behind it, but we've just got to put it into action. And that's going to take a lot of effort. Well, Dr. Bedwan, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's a fascinating report, and uh, certainly I, I, I wasn't going to ask you to get out your crystal ball and say if this will never happen again. You've answered that question today by saying it could, but we're better prepared than we used to be. So thank you so much for your time tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.